Hey, Peter. Hey. How's your coding? Um, it's not great. How's your recoding? Mm, recoding, not great. My recorder playing is pretty good, though. Your recorder? We're going to decode that. All right. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Music advice coming at you. Coming at you. We're having a real morning. This We're having morning. a good time here. <laughs> I, you've, I've already given you a look that you gave back that I think you've never seen me give. You know, it's kind of like, remember the game of telephone when you're passing along? So I gave yeah. a look. I'm going to try to approximate your version of me giving okay, it to you. Okay, do it. Go ahead. That's what you look like. That's exactly. You <laughs> I know, never look like that. Do you, have you ever heard of the term triggered? Triggered. I you triggered me. <laughs> you looked triggered. Like I triggered something in you that you for like we you know we like to mess around with the intros and do we you know we love to by mess around we mean by screw them up. We love to give Caleb them. a bunch of options. <laughs> we don't use any of those. Don't use any of those for the intros to the podcast. And I did cold one open. We call them where it really messed with you a little bit. And you gave me a look. I'm still and we're not even going to talk about why because no, no, no. it might trigger me again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no. But we, it brought out this look of you. <laughs> of humor that I rarely I've seen it with you before I know. So but not get, so that was worth it that was worth it yeah um, you know uh, folks listening might be like is this worth listening to all these inside jokes we're gonna try to make that well, up for you today by decoding the, so yeah we're, we're decoding an amazing solo from yeah. McCoy Tyner but part of why I think I that your look triggered my <laughs> laughter is could you put my screen up on on so the people on YouTube can see what I'm looking at so I'm looking across the screen straight at Peter's face. Peter made this exact face. <laughs> oh, did I? At me. Well, yeah, I wasn't seeing see that. This. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't see this. But the, it was like Coltrane and Peter just making this squinting, like, for different what reasons. are you talking about face yeah. for different reasons. So. Well, and actually, as we were getting re-familiar with this great video, um, at this might still be at the point where Coltrane and... First of all, big shout out to the John Coltrane Quartet, of course. <laughs> but big shout out to... <laughs> raise the roof. <laughs> raise the roof for JCQ. Wow. No, but I mean, big shout out to YouTube and just the times we're living in. Oh, the fact amazing, that like man. we were just talking about McCoy Tyner and how we wanted to delve into something that was maybe a little bit lesser known, yeah. although it's a YouTube video with you know quarter million views, so yeah. it has been seen. Um, but what a great time we live in where we can pull up this genius stuff. Yeah. You know, there's certainly a dark side. There's a lot of horrible things that you there's can pull up to. A lot of terrible too. stuff. But, but let's celebrate to, greatness. If you wanted to see live footage of the John Coltrane Quartet, you would have to drive to a Borders and hope that they had those Ralph Gleason Jazz <laughs> Casual series right. on great a expense. video cassette. A That's great, right. For like $30 per That's tape. Right. Yeah. That's right. And now you can just search And then it. you had to make sure the tracking was correct on your VCR. Your VCR. Yeah. Remember when the tracking got off? That was weird. The young folks now actually go to great lengths in their video editing video editing oh, to tracking, simulate bad tracking tracking filters yeah that do bad tracking yeah that's hilarious um so we're listening to this uh live version of my favorite things yes. from uh a live performance in belgium uh from 1965 and yeah. it's the classic john coltrane quartet uh obviously train is on soprano saxophone uh mccoy tyner uh, is playing piano we're going to be focusing mostly on mccoy's solo which is yep. long and beautiful and Elvin Jones, Jimmy Garrison, round out the rhythm section, of course. And yeah. this is some of the comments in this are incredible in the in and of itself. And one commenter uh, says that this is perhaps, in their opinion, the greatest jazz piano solo of all time. Right. And I, I 
It's it, it's the goat. He's we're, saying we're gonna listen to it, and you know that that's a bold claim. First of all, yeah, I don't actually. And it's like, a ridiculous claim. It is. There's no. It so, might be right. It's just ridiculous to come from that uh, mindset. I think that's why we're focusing on yeah, it first. Like there's one <laughs> of the best. Like right. you can quantify. This is that, the so. number one. But it is fun to go through. What, what's cool about this solo is, or like listening to these types of solos, where there's quite a few versions live, and yeah. then of course studio. Of this, and this would be you know John Coltrane Quartet playing my favorite thing. So over several years, there's yeah. different examples of them, but to see the kind of commonality between it, I think for McCoy, you can really get a great sense of his concept and how it was really fully yeah. um, versed at this point for sure. But like the variations. It's almost like variations on a theme between different souls. We got a chance to talk with the maestro Ron Carter about this a little bit over the specific tune Autumn Leaves and when he was playing with the Miles Davis quintet, you know, not in the early 60s and the different versions. And, you know, he has such clarity on how things would sort of evolve from night to night over the same tune. Um, and, you know, what a great thing for us, certainly to be able to hear from the masters talking about this, but to be able to also hear actual versions of this from live concert footage and to be able to make some, some, some you know, kind of informed, I would say, analysis of things that say McCoy Tyner always did over this tune. That's what's kind of interesting to me. Like there's what happens in the moment, of course, that's amazing on that particular night, something that was in the water, something that was in the air that day, but kind of like what his concept was in approaching this, playing with Elvin Jones, playing with Jimmy Garrison, playing with Coltrane from a piano standpoint. So Yeah, and uh, so this is from 1965. So this was, I was just looking up, uh, this is such an iconic song now, even yeah. just the original version from the from the film. Uh, but it, it's it's easy to forget that. So Coltrane recorded this in 1960. It was released in 1961 mm. on the album My Favorite Things. Yeah, it Atlantic was published Records. in 1959. Wow. So like that's how new this song was. It would be like so now at this point. This is from the Julie Andrews. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, from the Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Right. Um, and so it, it should be noted that would be like us, I mean... Covering Taylor Swift. No, that's no, it's, 10 that would years be ago. Ten, yeah, I was going to say Hamilton, but that would be older than Bad what Bunny. this was. Bad Bunny. It would be like Bad Bunny <laughs> or some what's a, like a huge hit Broadway thing that's just two or three years old. It would be like Cats. That. Cats. It would be like doing <laughs> memories. It would be like us covering If this was 1984. 2023, yeah. yeah. No, uh, but it is so, you know, such a, it was at this time still such a fresh song. And That's what crazy. I, that's, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's, that's an important kind of perspective to think about, you know. So modern music. 1960 to 1965, they're playing this song. It still was just, yeah. the movie's just out. Just out. It's still really in the zeitgeist. But what's so cool is they took... You know this Broadway-style song, this musical song from a, from a musical uh, film, and they turned it into this modal masterpiece, right? Mm -hmm. Into this one chord, incredible tension and release, and nobody's better than this particular band at that one thing. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think there's a better band at w taking one chord or two or three chords and running it through tension and release than these four human beings at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> Woo. 
So one thing to just note about McCoy's, like you can hear this on the recordings, but getting a chance to see this, and I was just thinking back to the, the many times I got to see uh, Mr. Tyner live, and that is the finesse, kind of combination of finesse and force with which he plays, you know, these fists. These, this is such an iconic thing that he didn't he create. He gets some height. But, I mean, he yes, there's yeah. some height. Like, there's this agility. There's the finesse. But there's also, like, it's, it's never banging. And I remember used to, like, trying to play like McCoy because I love that sound. And it would just come out like kind of a sloppy banging mess. Yeah. And I think if you look at what his technique is and, like, how he forms those shapes and then how he attacks the piano yeah. but also brings out the sound. Always big it's muscles. It's always with the big muscles. You have right. to use the larger muscles. You have to use the muscles in your arm, your shoulder, even in your torso. Yes. It gets such a better sound than trying to just use all fingers to like force your way to it. You know? Right. And so like he's coming from it kind of it, it really increases the the degree of difficulty is the only thing yeah. with being in terms of accuracy. So like you kind of see how focused in he is and you have to be in order to make it accurate when when you're coming up from higher and stuff but it's it's so cool and this angle is just I incredible love this angle. and i love like he's hitting so i mean there's all these great variations on you know that e dorian but he's always willing to leave that and go into that frigid that yeah. sharp nine yeah. even from the very beginning This is interesting because a lot of other versions I've heard of this, McCoy will go into this uh, later on in the solo. Oh, yeah. It's not even really is that is that yeah I guess that's Phrygian right? I should yeah, know yeah. that right. So it's all C C major diatonic, but like the little places that he's leaning into altering from that already, you know, major third yeah. is doing that. Like a lot of Which, times to go into this later. Adding that major third is actually, you know, part of the tune because that tune goes yeah. between e, e minor and E major. Right, exactly. E, e major on the bridge. Which right, even when they're going cool. through the form. Of course, yeah. here they're just vamping over that E. And he really set that up, you know, both with that, which kind of brings it more back to the, you know. You know. Is this the origin of an E burnout? Of what? Yeah, e burnout? it really is. Yeah. And they always talk about, you know, for sure, you know, Herbie. Miles Davis Quintet, Ron Carter, Tony Williams. There, there's a lot of elements in that. Suppose you get into the plug nickel and stuff. But I mean, really, from a one chord, how can you play around with the harmony, sit in an area, move to another? It's here. Yeah. 
every single floor. All those great 16th notes. Ah. tension that he knows you can put in there. It's kind of like, how long do you want to extend it? Every time. And there, so... Yeah, that, that moment there, that's really, that's drawing the rest of the band in. You right. know, like giving them something. It's a trigger, kind of, right? It's a trigger, like you guys take this for a minute. Right. Start spinning it somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was really built up not only rhythmically, but but harmonically in terms of what he he did so much. You know, with that flat six, with that C major, and then and so now he's like, and then he's also going up to the major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like that's been there. Boom, 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 boom. And then you're sitting there, and then that becomes the new tension. That started out as being the tension because really. different too but i mean you know it's like that's sort of the home base the dorian sort of sound so yeah. anything that, that leads he that, hasn't really gone into dorian quite no, yet though no. has he, he did a little at the very beginning before he started soloing I he think. found the phrygian and exactly. now he's finding that sort of melodic minor tension yeah that's yeah, very cool Just a little bit on the the rhythm of his left hand has been pretty consistently, um, yeah, dotted quarter notes. Yeah, like and dunk, that's so dunk, yeah. Dunk, 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 I feel like that's so dunk, driven dunk, by Elvin. Dunk, you know what I mean? Dunk, dunk, that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. and then like you know when McCoy goes into that more with the left hand or more demonstrative, or going down to those more often it kind of frees up elvin them to fill in in between and then to come back and rejoin with it them. really turns three four more into like a 12 eight thing where you know mm. the triplet is it kind of has that lilt to it as opposed to just like yeah you know right right something corny something yeah something potentially corny and make it And then all of those, those little slides that he's doing yeah. there is taking like dominant chords exactly. and, and moving them right. around in half steps or whole steps even. Yep. That kind of that kind of vibe. Yeah, and I mean that it, and it, it you know later on. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I'm saying that tune that he wrote. You know, he like that's just such a part of his concept about how you can move things around. That whole you know? step movement. Yes. Yeah. Elvin Jones, too, by the way. Steaming. There he is back to that last story. Oh. 
all straight without a quarter. I mean, it's just such a balance with the whole rhythm section. Mm. Also, you know, really, it's a great lesson too. And like, he's not. Uh, there's a lot happening, but he's not overplaying. There's not mm. a lot of like 16 note runs or big long runs. He right. like this is going to be a long solo. It already is, you yep. know, over three minutes, four minutes. And it's he's letting it come to him though. He's not trying yeah. to make things happen. It's kind For of sure. just let, like writing this groove out yeah. and seeing what happens. And that's the way to go on these big open things. It's not to try to force all of this this down your audience's throat, but just let the music come to you. Right. You know? And I mean, yeah, there's such a patience uh, in the way he's playing. Even though he did, you know, it's such an interesting thing because he he when he did play a bunch of sixteenth note rounds, it was. It was at the beginning of the solo, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is interesting. So it's like, don't be stuck in thinking, oh, I have to slowly build this up, build it up, and then start playing fast, and then play some crazy tension, and then end it, because you'll lose out on the chance of the music comment coming to you. He's telling a whole epic story in yeah. this solo. Well, and, I'm, and it's interesting, because you hear the way these live versions of this tune, they're different. Sometimes it's like Train is playing this epic solo, and McCoy will come in and do something shorter. It's all part of a balanced approach to the entire tune. I wonder, have you ever played on a, been on the road, and you get kind of a not great piano at one of these theaters or whatever? Right. And you're like, well, it's not, not, not going to be my night for speed, because this thing is like a brick. Right. You know? Right. It could be one of those situations where you're like, I'm just going to let this I'm just going to lay in. Yeah. And, yeah. But I mean, too, what he's, you know, uh, McCoy Tyner's such a you know, such a lyrical player, so much harmonic imagination. But then when you talk about just sort of the intelligence of constructing a solo, a lot of that is just understanding what Elvin Jones and Jimmy Garrison bring to the table and yeah. playing things that invite that to make him sound great, to make yeah. the whole thing sound great. It's, I mean, they, it's never, you can't decouple these different elements, but never underestimate just the the, the supreme musicianship of a McCoy Tyner to be able to like invite all these different elements in because we think, Oh, it's Elvin Jones. Of course you're going to sound great with him. It's like, no, that it's actually harder to play, especially if you're not a great player with an Elvin Jones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause you got to be on your a game, yep. which obviously McCoy is, but you've got to bring your a game mentality to be able for all that greatness to come in. And this whole part, like when he's hitting just, you know, Measure after measure of those dotted quarter notes and like just listen to what Elvin's doing. Big old E-bombs too, like yeah. every two or three bars, yeah. But it's like the drummer's just playing that with you. You can't just sit on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's playing stuff to invite Elvin to play all around that. And then when Elvin comes back to it, he starts breaking it up towards the end of totally. it. Totally. A lot of cool, subtle things that really add up to an exciting thing. You can't necessarily tell from the audience. They look a little bit... <laughs> um, placid in there, but who knows what's happening in Belgium? That They've night. only had a couple of years of this sound. So they're, <laughs> exactly. probably, and they're, they're, they're in Belgium, so they might not even have that. <laughs> Maybe the first time they're hearing something like this. I give it to you that it's not Jimmy Garrison's face, and he probably did not have a lot of time on it. Uh. 
major. But he's still giving it, he's giving it that sus four sound on it. Give it still I mean, a little bit of tension with it. This whole solo of this piano is just a big drum set, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's just a big pitched drum. So much great riffing, too. It's not a break. Well, McCoy is great at playing in two different keys at the same time. Like, he's left hand stayed there, but then he's leaving that. I know. Now he's leaving the left hand, too. Left hand and right hand decoupling. Oh. Ah. It's almost like that's the bell of the cymbal he's playing on. Right? It's like every four bars, he drops one of those in the bottom. Ah. Woo! It's like E-flat over E-major. There's like the independence of what's going on between the drums and the between the two hands of the piano and the limbs and the hands of Elton Jones. Yeah, what is that? It's that sus four. Sharp. G. Yeah. I've never heard it extended this one. in the left hand yeah that one wave might have been that George Clooney one that put him under remember in the movie they had a big one there they made it out though man when you set up that rhythm one way you never change it you don't have to do a lot ah and these little mini bombs he's dropping now
stuff. Great stuff. Did we decode that? I need to go for a walk around the block, man. Man, it's such a uh, what 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 a gift that this music is. But to be able to get inside of it and see, like, when you have a relatively simple form, yeah, you know, lesser players look at it, and, and it's nothing wrong. We've all gone through this. It's like you panic because you're like, oh, I don't have any, I don't have any changes to go through. Even though there are some, but they've got these extended, um, you know, vamps. Right? There's E minor. And there's E major. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And then there's the cue to go to the bridge. Of course, there's a lot of different harmonic or several different harmonic areas that they go through and that they would have at their disposal. This one, this version, I think, is the most that I've heard in terms of just going up anywhere, yeah. potentially. But to great players and great artists, I think the art of possibilities, right? Totally. Like you're just sitting on one vamp. That can be anything. It could be anything. But that doesn't mean it has to be everything all it's the actually, time. There's a reason for it. You think, oh, it's just one or two chords. It must be easy. But it really takes a lot of training in functional harmony. You know, McCoy is a functional harmony master. Yeah, yeah, for like sure. Like when you hear like right. like with Johnny Hartman and the, yeah. the ballads album. Yeah, there's, it's not really like a randomness there. No. That, that if you drop the needle in the middle of this, you'd be like, wait, what's going on? Why? And it's still why, you know, when we learn how to improvise, especially, you know, in this realm, you start with things like bebop and swing and stuff that has like a lot, and even you know the real book or jazz standards or whatever. You start with yeah. things that have real easy functional harmony so that you can understand that yeah. those it gives principles. Something to wrap your hands around. Something to wrap your hands around, and then you go to sort of modal music, which is more difficult because you have to a you have more freedom, more more possibilities. With great freedom comes great responsibility, right? Boom. You've got to you've got to know how to handle all that. Yeah. Um, what can happen is if people just play one chord. You know, right. and then don't know what to do with it. Right. You you know, as evidenced here, McCoy's not playing one chord. No. It's one chord, but it's whatever you want. Right. And, and you what... have to learn how to build that tension. For me, rhythmically, that was incredible. Right. Just the entire Yeah, leaning so 80, 90% on that one rhythm. All that stuff, you know? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, thank you, McCoy Tyner. Thank you, Elvin Jones. Thank you, Jimmy Garrison. Thank you, Peter. Um, thank you, John Coltrane. Thanks, Adam Manis. Yeah. Till next time. You'll hear it.